Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's 835. Every week on Total Information AM, we map the geospatial sector in the St. Louis region. One of the partners in geospatial research is the Donald Danforth Plant Science Center. The center is a member of the Taylor Geospatial Institute. I recently spoke with Katie Murphy, Director of Phenotyping and Principal Investigator at the Danforth Plant Science Center, about what plants have to do with geospatial technology. The Danforth Center is lucky to be one of many institutes as part of a consortium that makes up the Taylor Geospatial Institute. So as part of that consortium, we bring a unique area of expertise, being plant science, and we get to then share with with these other new collaborators in the world of geospatial. So I like to describe it as we actually speak quite different languages. I'm a plant scientist. I speak biology, some statistics, some automation, um, but I'm really looking at the level of individual plants. And our new collaborators that were brought together with at Taylor Geospatial Institute bring to us everything geospatial, right? So that's UAVs and satellites and, and crude aircraft and new sensing technologies that we've never used before applied to plant science. So together we actually go outside, we go to a farm, And we try to answer really interesting questions, both about the fundamental nature of plants, the fundamental nature of geospatial science, and then together, how could we apply that to answer new questions? A couple of the previous interviews that we've done, we've looked at, for example, water and climate and the the broader picture of how that affects things. I've also talked to a company that does some pretty specific agriculture applications. So tell us about some of the ways that that this geospatial technology could help with our plant and food resources? Yeah, absolutely. You know, farmers are actually some of the doctors of technology. And I think that like, the general public doesn't, doesn't often know that, right? But tractors are already equipped with specialized GPS systems, ways of measuring where is that tractor, where is the yield in that area, how densely should there be planted, as well as using uncrewed aerial vehicles like drones to make decisions about what's happening in their field. So we're we're just taking those applications and put, trying to push them a step further to answer questions about what plants are growing well, which plants are suffering. When we apply different conditions to a field, for example, additional nitrogen or less nitrogen fertilizer, how is that actually affecting plant growth? Now I can go out into that field and measure every individual plant, but it would be extremely time consuming um, and probably a little sweaty here in the summer. And so it's much easier if we could actually go in with, with imaging technologies, UAVs and other things that are less labor intensive to answer those questions. 
Now, to do that, we first have to have the people on the ground as well, right? We need to prove that those technologies are applicable in these new ways, and we need to figure out where do these hand measurements correlate to things that are being measured from the sky. Um, and once we can do that together, we can then equip farmers and plant breeders and, and engineers with new tools and technologies. What about insects? Insects are such an important part of our crops. Could this be used to track insect populations? That's a great question. Honestly, I have not thought of before. Um, so maybe, right? The, the sky is the limit, right? The, uh, literally and figuratively, as, as we say. So we, that's a good question. Right now, most of our research at the Danforth Center into insects is done indoors, where we can control the insect population and, and make sure that we're under the proper biosafety guidelines. Um, but I do, I do feel the sky's the limit, right? When we think about what's happening outside and what's happening on a farm, how do we assess plant disease, how do we assess insects, um, and how do we do it in a way that's going to reduce human input, human time, um, while getting farmers higher yield and reduce pressures from those things that, that reduce farmers' yields. When we talk about food insecurity across the globe, you know, of yeah. course, obviously, you know, we, we've, we're very blessed here in this country yeah. with the agricultural resources that we have. But across the globe, there are some other nations that don't have the resources that we have. How could this technology be brought to bear to help those populations? Yeah, absolutely. This is an excellent question. We think about this a lot at the Danforth Center because part of what we do is we have the um, International Institute for Crop Improvement at the Danforth Center, as that is specifically thinking about how can we advance crops for other countries that might not have these technologies and do it in, in collaboration. So let's just think about satellites, right, that are already orbiting the Earth. If we can better understand how to utilize that satellite data, then folks who are perhaps not as fortunate to have all the technologies we have here on site can also take advantage of that data to understand their plants as they're growing. Um, this past summer, we, we grew here in St. Charles Teff, which is a staple crop in Ethiopia, but it's not very high yielding and has a lot of issues when you have high winds. The Teff physically falls over, and so you have a reduced yields. And so we used UAVs to, to fly over the Teff. This is a huge collaboration with Taylor Geospatial Institute and, and their UAV pilots to figure out, okay, can we measure how those when and how those plants are falling over it's also called lodging can we use that to evaluate different types of TEF that then can be eventually deployed in, in other countries once these systems are in place does this help us respond more quickly if for example there's some type of weather change or other catastrophic event that would would impact agriculture or forests or things of that nature yeah, I think a great question that we as researchers and, and farmers and just humans ask all the time is, what do we do now, right? And it's really hard to make decisions without information and without inf spatial information, which is, which is what geospatial science is all about. And so if we can evaluate an agricultural area using, again, satellites or, or UAVs, that can allow us as scientists to make decisions early and often. As a researcher, that's actually critical because we only get so many years in the field, so many seasons in the field. And so if I can evaluate what's happening to my research plot in real time, I can make decisions about what to do next. Do we apply additional fertilizer? Do we not? Do we have enough? Are there areas that are flooded or look like they have other disease pressures measured in close to real time, right? Right after you take those images and assess them um, in ways that we couldn't do before. 
I'm curious about the learning curve, both for uh, people in, in agriculture and for researchers when it comes to maybe in the past, maybe working off of spreadsheets and, and a lot of data that way to now maybe working with some of these interactive maps. Absolutely. Well, the first is that it's fun. Um, and I've seen that as a as a researcher who loves who loves science and loves to learn new things, but also in the teams that we have and the students that we work with, which is that geospatial science is fun. It's visual and there's so many new tools out there that are changing every single day. It's powerful. Right. So there is a learning curve, of course. Again, we, we're speaking different languages from the people who who really know the core of geospatial science for those who know maybe the core plant science. But together, it's been so powerful to learn from each other to build on this is what makes sense to us this is the real question we're asking versus what other people are asking um, and fortunately taylor geospatial institute is making that all possible right to bring those people together to work together to learn from each other um, and utilize all these new technologies that are actually making the, the data analysis and processing much faster and much easier so that it doesn't take a programming expert necessarily to to do some of these simpler analyses of the images what are your hopes or your your wish list for research that you'd like to do down the road or see happen down the road when it comes to plant science and geospatial technology? I think I just want to see us be able to assess individual plants in the field. It's something we're actively working towards because if we can understand how individual plants are responding and really pair that, again, this above ground data with what we know about plant genetics and plant metabolism, I really think we can move the needle to making crops that are more sustainable, that are healthier, and that are better for, for people across the world. Uh, right now, what we're trying to do is combine the bird's eye view with the worm's eye view, which is incredibly difficult. How do you understand roots as they're growing over time? Because they're underground and you have to do a lot of digging. And so we're trying to combine what we can understand both above ground and below ground and pair that with where in the field is a particular plant. And that has been such an exciting research avenue that we're just I think starting a journey on, and we're soon going to learn so much about the whole plant when we combine this geospatial with the plant science. That is Katie Murphy. She is with the Danforth Plant Science Center. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.